0: Invite you to turn with me this morning to John's account of the Gospel, chapter one. I hope that you are, if if you've not already begun reading through John's account this uh, Lenten season, I, I hope that you'll consider joining us in that. As we, I believe Christy passed around the uh, the reading chart. There's nothing um, miraculous about it or magical about it. Just broken up the Gospel of John uh, with some uh, some uh, fairly reasonable. Uh, reasonably sized daily readings to get you through this Lenten season. And um, uh, some of the passages, go ahead and take a, take a look ahead. Some of them would get lengthy, some of them would be short. But um, uh, my, my biggest priority really in, in breaking the, the passages up um, was to make sure that during Holy Week, we're actually reading through the events of Holy Week. And so that's where things get a little tricky. So you got some smaller passages up up till then. When you get into Holy Week, you better be ready to read, folks. Uh, be ready to read. Uh, John chapter 1, beginning at verse 29 and then reading through verse 37. The text will be up here on the screen if you want to follow along there. But please do uh, turn there in, in your Bibles if you have them with you. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him, that is John the Baptist, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel, therefore I came baptizing with water. John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked up, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this passage of the scriptures that we've read together this morning. We pray that you would bless its reading to our hearts, to our lives, to our very selves. We pray that you would give us ears to hear, that you would give us eyes to see, that you would give us hands that are ready to work and feet that are ready to move. In our pursuit of your son Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen. As the pop lyrics proclaim. Everybody's looking for something. We are all looking for something in life. Whether it is approval. Whether it is acceptance. Whether it is the affirmation that our life's work has been of value and of meaning. Whether it is happiness. Or what we think might bring us joy. Whether it is rest. Whether it is health and well-being. Everybody's looking for something. We're looking for something that satisfies. Something that brings contentment. Something that brings fulfillment to us. We're all looking. And the moment we, we cease that pursuit. We find ourselves in despair and hopelessness. Everybody's looking for something. Jesus' words to these two disciples as John turns their attention to Jesus, and as the scripture tells us that they begin to follow Jesus, his words to them are found in a question What do you seek? What do you seek? As you are reading through John's account of the gospel, it, it's helpful to note what all is going on here in this first chapter because John really presents his gospel narrative in a way that is unique. The other three gospel writers we call the synoptic gospels because they have an awful lot in common with one another. John's is set up quite differently. And what John gives us in this first chapter, in the first 18 verses, is really kind of a prologue, a setting up of, of what is going, what the, the story is that he's going to unfold He tells us of the word who was in the beginning with God, who was with God, who made all things and who himself also was God. And he tells us that that word, that logos, that expression of the father was made flesh and dwelt among us. He tells us also of of John the Baptist's ministry of preparation as he was sent out to point to the light of Jesus who was to come. He sets us up uh in in this first chapter with a prologue and then he gives us kind of a hook you uh you've heard of uh in the uh in the uh, the presenting world whether you've taken a speech class in college or high school or whether you've taken a class on on formal writing uh, you've got the hook took and look you know you, you you bring someone in with a with a captivating story or captivating anecdote and then you uh uh, then you 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 link them to what you're going to go, and then you take a look at what you're gonna what you're going to lay out for them. John kind of uh, kind of follows that that structure, that order, because in these these verses that immediately follow the prologue, you find something that draws you into the story, something that draws you in and and beseeches you, beckons you, begs you to follow. It's interesting how John does this. Twice you find the phrase or the, the, the clause, come and see. Jesus, when he asked those two disciples, what do you seek?" They say, Lord, where are you staying? And he says, come and see. And they follow him. Later on, um, and uh, Philip finds Nathaniel and tells Nathaniel, you got you to come see. Him. We think we found the Messiah. We think we found the one for whom we've been waiting. He's Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel's cynical response of Can anything good come out of Nazareth is met by Philip's invitation. Come and see. John is drawing us in. He is hooking us. Twice you find also John the Baptist declaring, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That word behold is the same Greek word as the word see. And interestingly enough, You find 63 occurrences of some form of that word. Behold, look, see throughout John's account of the gospel. He is inviting us on in. He is pleading with us. Come and take a look at what this story is that he has to share. Come and take a look at this word who has made flesh and has dwelt among us. See what that dwelling among us looked like. John has several major themes that run through his narrative that that hold it all together. And as you're reading through this gospel account um, this Lenten season, my prayer is that you'll see some of those, that you'll be fascinated by by words that you find coming up over and over again. One uh, one of those major themes revolves around a couple of parallels, a couple of contradictions really. Uh, Light and darkness and sight and blindness. In fact, in his prologue, John's already talking about light and darkness. John was not that light, he says, but he came to point to that light. Because that light, which was the light of the world, was coming into the world in the midst of darkness. And though he came to his own, his own did not receive him. But to those whom he did, he gave the right, the authority to become the children of God. A hundred and sixty-seven times throughout John's account of the gospel you find a Greek verb, erikomai, which means to come and to go. John, through these two occurrences of come and see, he's inviting us to come, to, to go with him, to, to travel with him through this life of Jesus. And his, his hope is given to us at the very end of his book that by seeing the life of Christ, we might believe in that by believing in him, we might have life in his name. So John's setting us up. He's setting us up. He's drawing us in. He's, he's begging us to come and to ask some of the most basic and fundamental questions. Some of the most, not just basic and fundamental, but some of the largest most life-encompassing questions that can be asked. And some of those pressing questions we find throughout John's account of the gospel. As Jesus asks those first two disciples, what do you seek? We're also being asked some questions. John is inviting us to come along and to ask the questions, who is Jesus of Nazareth? Nathanael's question posed to Philip, was can anything good come out of Nazareth? Come on. Yorkville? you <laughs> kidding me. The Messiah is coming from Yorkville? What good has come out of Yorkville, right? Awesome stuff. Who is this man? You, you're asking me to leave everything. You're asking me to, to walk away from life as I know it and to follow this one from Nazareth. Why? Who is Jesus of Nazareth. It's interesting you find that question kind of swarming throughout John's account of the gospel. You find especially um, especially uh, focused in on in chapter 7. As, as, as the tension is, 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 uh, is increasing. As the water is reaching a boiling point, And people are wondering who is this man? What, what in the world is he claiming about himself? Why in the world are, 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 the, are the multitudes flocking to him? who is Jesus of Nazareth, John would have us to believe that he is indeed the Messiah of Israel. The anointed one of God. The Christ. That he is the one for whom the prophecies of the Old Testament have longed. He is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. He is the Messiah that was long awaited. John the Baptist tells us he is the Lamb of God, bringing back into our minds the sacrificial system of the Hebrew people. He is the one who is not only the fulfillment of God's prophecy, he is the one who is the fulfillment of sacrifice. He is the one for whom our souls have longed. He is the Redeemer. In fact, when when Nathaniel does come to Jesus, he's approaching and Jesus says, Ah, Nathaniel, good man here. Nathaniel says, How do you know me? Who are you? Who am I that uh, that you'd know me? And Jesus says, Before you you came up, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathaniel's reply is, is, Rabbi, teacher, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Nathaniel doesn't yet know the significance of what he's saying. He's not yet. Begun to follow Jesus. But what Nathaniel will find over the course of the next three years throughout John's account of the gospel is that his words are indeed right. He is indeed the Son of God, the King of Israel. He is the fulfillment. He is what all that has come up to that point in Israel's history has awaited. Jesus gives us seven claims. Seven we call them the I am statements, but seven claims that he makes about himself. In John's account of the gospel, he says that he is the bread of life, and those who feast on him in their hearts by faith will have life. He refers to himself as the light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the door or the gate, that he is the one through which the sheep come and and find pasture. He declares also in that same passage, I am the good shepherd. And he says that his sheep hear and know his voice. They recognize it and they follow. They trust him. He says he is also the resurrection and the life. To his disciples on Maundy Thursday of Holy Week, he tells them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They said, Lord, if you'll just tell us where you're going and show us the way, we can go with you. And he says, what are you talking about? I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Further on that night, he tells them that he is the true vine. He says, you are the branches that you must abide in me to have life. For there is nothing that you can produce in and of yourselves. John weaves these seven claims throughout his account of the gospel. And what you find is, as you read these chapters, as you plow through this book, you find all of these different things. themes that are springing up in the beginning and finding their fulfillment in the end. Ideas that are recurring throughout, conversations that Jesus is having. It's interesting. Uh, unless I'm mistaken, and I, I hope I'm not mistaken here. Unless I'm mistaken, John does not give us all, any, any parables. Am I right? All right. No parables. No parables. John is giving us... You know, the Parables were stories that Jesus used to teach. John is giving us the full story... That is leading us somewhere. And, and he gives us Nicodemus in chapter 3. He gives us the woman caught in adultery. He gives us uh, uh, the Samaritan woman. He gives us all these different stories. All these different lives that are being woven together into this story. And Jesus' claims about himself... All of these different things John is weaving together into a tapestry that shows us the very life of Christ and brings us to the point where we can either take the evidence that is given and conclude that Christ is indeed the Son of God, the Messiah, that He is the one for whom we have waited, that He is the one for whom we have sought and trust in Him and have life in His name. But John beckons us not just to ask and answer the question who is Jesus of Nazareth he also calls us to ask the question what has he come to accomplish what is it that he has come to do why has he come John tells us that he's come so we might have life in him but what he means by that life in him is is is, see, is it's not just some spiritualized life some some exchange that we give if we just sacrifice this then he'll give us that. It's not just a deal that God wants to make with us. He comes so that we might have the fullness of life in him. And what he has come to accomplish is found in who he is and the signs that he has given. John refers not to miracles. These are not just acts of wonder that Jesus performs. He refers to them specifically as signs. They are things that Christ has indeed done that point us beyond, that point us to some bigger image. And those signs are seven. He doesn't give countless, endless miracles. He gives us seven signs, which kind of parallel those seven I am statements. He tells us the very first act that Jesus did was to turn water into wine at the marriage in Cana of Galilee. He heals the son of a royal official he heals a crippled man he feeds five thousand john makes it makes it very well known to us. These are five thousand men, not including women and children, perhaps Jewish family back two thousand years ago it could have been twenty twenty five thousand folks there. five loaves, two fish. he walks on the water, which is something that only the disciples see it's at night across the Sea of Galilee or Sea of Tiberias and they look out and here's this one walking on water. There's only one who walks on water. The Spirit of God hovered upon the face of the deep. He gives us the sign of restoring sight to a man who was born blind. Not just healing an infirmity, but healing an infirmity with which a person was born. Man had never known what it was to see anything. And then the the final sign is the raising of Lazarus from the dead, his dear friend before whom and for whom he wept. These signs are given to us to point uh, to the really what it was that Christ has come to accomplish. And what he's come to accomplish is he's come to meet each and every human need. He has come to meet us in the very depths of our need, regardless of what those needs are. Which begs the question, which I think John intends us to, uh, to ask, how is this one, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, relevant to me? I'm not one who's too hip on relevance. Um, it's, it's not something I'm uh, in, a, in a pop Christian culture sense that I'm too keen on however there is a sense in which the gospel is does meet us in our point of, uh, of need and our point of relevance and how is he relevant to me? he's relevant to me in the sense that he, is a, he has the ability to meet each and every human need regardless of how large, regardless of how small. He's able to meet our physical needs. He's able to meet our spiritual needs. He's able to meet our emotional needs, our relational needs, our societal needs even. And you find all those needs being met throughout the tapestry of John's gospel. You find conversations that Jesus finds himself in, that he steps into. You find folks coming to him under the dark of night. You find folks coming to him when no one else is around. You find Jesus pursuing those whose society is cast off and is maligned. And you find Jesus stepping into the depths of human need and meeting each and every one of those needs. Restoring sight. Bringing wholeness and health. Shattering the darkness of human need with the light of God's great ability. Giving not just Physical sight, but healing of spiritual, emotional blindness as well. He's relevant to me in that ability to meet every human need, but he's relevant to me also in his desire to transform the totality of the human predicament. Every ounce of who, he, who we are, he says, is relevant to his ability because he cares and he desires to transform The significance, I don't mean this exhaustively, but the significance of Jesus, the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us, is that God himself, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, steps into the depths of human need. He takes on the totality of the human predicament, and he comes to heal and to transform. He comes offering life. He shatters our darkness with his light. He shatters our 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 void with his presence. And John begs us, come and see. Jesus asks us, What do you seek? And that really is the question of the ages. What is it in your life and in mine that we seek? In many ways it says a lot about who we are, about our priorities. Sometimes those things we're seeking we are embarrassed to admit to. Sometimes those, the answer to that question takes us being broken and realizing we're seeking something bigger and deeper than we first intended or thought or suspected. But Jesus steps into our world. He steps into our time of darkness with light and life. And it is His coming that is relevant to us. Because He steps into the midst of our need, He absorbs into Himself the fullness of of our predicament and he comes to heal he comes to transform he comes to offer life and wholeness and all this from a carpenter boy from Nazareth John begs us, come and see. Jesus asks us, what do you seek? And his call upon our lives is simple. His call is that which he told his disciples, follow me. John said, Behold the Lamb of God. And those two disciples turned and saw Jesus. And they said, All right. What follows is what happens as these people leave their families, their possessions, they leave their careers, they leave everything they know of life and they begin a three-year pursuit following and learning from this one they call Rabbi, this one who is to teach them. This one at whose feet they will sit and who they will serve. And as he breaks bread, they'll pass it out to multitudes. And we're drawn in. We're drawn in to find what is our response. We're drawn in to find is this one that I'm willing to follow? And Lent as a season, it it's, it serves in many ways to draw us in. It's a time of preparation. Forty days remembering those forty days that Jesus wandered in the wilderness, or not wandered in the wilderness, but that Jesus fasted in the wilderness. And as we prepare for what lies at the end of Lent, the Holy Week, Jesus' betrayal and denial and suffering and crucifixion and death and burial the end cap of which is his glorious resurrection we are drawn in to follow him and as John would tell us at the end of his gospel narrative and to find life in the name of Jesus Jesus Please take out your communication cards and a small card. If you've uh, not fit out the front, I'm going to ask you to do that in just a moment. But on the very back, you've got a, a place of response. And those responses match um, the responses on the back of your bulletin. As as always, I want you to hang on to your bulletin throughout the week. It will um, remind you of the Scripture and the songs and what all uh, went on during this time together in worship, but it will remind you also of the response that you've, uh, that you've made. But uh, on the back of the communication card, I want to invite you to respond to Jesus' call upon your life, to his, his question to you, what do you seek? And um, the invitation of John to come and see. I wonder if perhaps you hear the voice of Jesus calling you, follow me. And you look at your own life and you realize that perhaps you've gone through the motions of Christian living, but you've never indeed left all to follow Him. You've kind of hung out with Him when He's been in the area, but you've not really left and followed And I wonder if your response would be, I intend to embrace His call upon my life to follow Him and give Him my life, give Him everything. Perhaps you look at your own life and you say, you know what, I've seen in Jesus the ability to meet a spiritual need of mine. And I've, I've you know, perhaps I've trusted him as my savior. Um, I've, I've looked to him to redeem me, to save me from my sin. But you know what, I've, I've compartmentalized my life to, to the degree that I don't trust him to meet my, my physical needs. I, I have emotional needs, relational needs. Perhaps you've thought the answer to society's needs are better this and more of that than not Jesus. I wonder if your response to, to ask him to transform every aspect of your life and mine. And then lastly, something very, very practical. Um, they can be as big or as little as you want to make it. Um... I wonder if, rather than just reading through John's account of the gospel, if you'd be willing to say, you know what, I'm going to spend some extra time, specifically those days where the passages are a little bit shorter, I'm going to spend a little bit of extra time and really study, really try to connect some of the dots. Uh, One of the things that might be helpful to you in that regard is take out some highlighters and start highlighting themes that are creeping up. Maybe take out a pen or a pencil and draw some arrows, put a little, some asterisks, Beside things that you're noticing. I wonder if you'd say. I don't want to just read through. of County Gospel. If that's all you're willing to commit to. Is to read. That's fine. I'll take what I can get. I, I told I told David Friday. I'm like a, the stray dog. In the back alley behind a restaurant. I'll just take whatever I can get. <laughs> but if you're offering a. Uh, if you're offering a, uh, a New York strip. That's my favorite kind of steak. Then I'll definitely take that. So I'm wondering if you'll. Uh, if you'll opt for the New York Strip and and act study through John's account and really try to unpack what all you're seeing there. As we um as we examine our hearts and as we examine the responses, uh consider these responses that um that we might make to to God, I want you to bow your heads with me and let's let's go to him in prayer for a moment.